0: Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Today, my guest is Bill Hirsch. Bill is an author and architect that has designed homes all over the world. A problem solver and three-dimensional thinker, he has always been fascinated with architecture, design, authenticity, and how people respond to the built environment. By removing unwanted distractions, which he calls pebbles, and by adding positive elements, which he calls pearls, he helps to promote positive energy that can transform the four walls of your home into a place of comfort, peace, and tranquility. Today, the topic is how to write a book that will change the arc of your career. We'll be discussing how to get started with writing a book, how to write a book plan, how to successfully market your book, and more. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Bill. Glad you could make it.
1: I'm glad to be with you. Thanks for inviting me.
0: And I'm looking forward to discussing the big idea of writing a book, but writing a book that will change the arc of your career, not just be a calling card or another business card, but that will actually grow your career. And the last time we spoke about this, you mentioned one of the most important things is how you're perceived in the eyes of your audience. Can you speak a little more about that with your experiences?
1: Sure. That was one of the surprising things to me. I didn't write my book with the purpose of improving my appearance to my potential clients but that's exactly what happened and that therefore changed the arc of my career Uh, as soon as you write something down and publish it you're seen by your reader or anyone who's considering hiring you as a consultant you're seen as being far more expert in your field than you were the day before you wrote the book it it was really literally uh, a light switch moment for me where it changed that perception of me. And I didn't really, uh, well, I certainly didn't write my book with the purpose of using it as a marketing tool that, and maybe that's what really helped it be quite successful. I wrote it with purpose of helping people out and providing useful information for them. and. It was perceived that way. And as a result of that, my email box filled up and my phone started ringing with people who were eager to become my clients, where really just months before that, I would be hoping that someone would accept me as uh, their architect. But after the book was published and people read that in order to, uh, and then got in touch with me because of that, they now were, were anxious to see whether I would accept them as a client, a complete uh, flipping of the script, which was uh, kind of humbling and surprising.
0: Well, you must have done it right. If someone said, okay, that sounds good, where do I start? Because you went a different route than the traditional publisher. If someone wants to get this done and get done the right way, what's the starting point? I mean, what did you do?
1: Well, I think sometimes there's a problem with inertia, like with any project. So uh, you just need to start writing something and and that helps you collect your ideas. And writing out a book plan is a good way to start. I did employ a writing coach to help me with it and that helped organize my thoughts into a better book form. I probably would have written it more as a strict textbook, but it became more readable with uh, some advice from an expert. And so you just uh, lay out your uh, book plan. Uh, I like to say that uh, if you don't know where you're going, you won't know when you got there. Mm. And so you need to have a plan. You know, you don't go out and take a drive for vacation and say, I'll let you know when we're there. You you know where you're going. And then you can plot out the steps to get there. And that's the same for uh, writing out the book.
0: What, what is a Tell me more about that. What is a book plan? Is it like a calendar schedule by itself? Is it a marketing plan? What does it look like?
1: Well, it's not, not really a scheduling thing so much as it's a bit of an outline. And it can be as simple as some titles for uh, chapters. And so in my book plan in this case limited the number of chapters and put them into a more orderly uh, presentation. It also let me look at each chapter and decide whether I had somewhat equivalent amount of material for each chapter, and what's the next transition. It kind of gave me a more of an abstract look at what the book was going to be, rather than getting into the words themselves.
0: So it's to keep the book itself. It's like the the architecture of the book or the blueprint
1: for the book. Would that be right? Right. Yeah, when I design buildings, I first put together what we call a program. And the program is a list of requirements, a list of wishes, and kind of telling you what you're trying to achieve. And I add to my program uh, a description of how things should feel or look. So it's some of the more intangible items. And I think that's important for a book. I ended up changing my chapters, uh, not calling them chapters at all, but calling them lessons because it felt much more like I was sitting across the table from somebody and trying to coach them along with their work. And so it really was much more uh, like lessons, which I think changed the tone or the voice of the book too.
0: Well, it definitely would and implies people are learning something. And with your book, just to put it out there because we haven't talked about it, spoken about it yet, it's a niche book. Can you tell a little bit more about that? How many copies you sold? Because I know if you go to a traditional publisher, they're looking for five thousand plus copies to be sold, and a lot of authors never even hit that. And that's that could be in the in a world of like leadership where everyone's looking for that kind of book. You're so niche. Talk about that part of it and how many books you sold and how you did it.
1: Right, in some ways a niche book would be easier to market than one that's more mainstream because you don't have as much competition but you don't have as big an audience either. So um, uh, I've managed to sell uh, over 30,000 copies of Designing Your Perfect House is the name of the book. And that's over the course of a number of years. Uh, but some of the things that really helped us at the beginning, well, first off, let me back up and say that I chose to do independent publishing so I had full control over the book. If you go to a mainstream publisher, uh, that relieves a bur- the burden of a lot of work that you have to do, but it puts all the control of the book in the publisher's hands. And if you're going to use it to help with your professional career, uh, and you don't sell that many of them, they're gonna take you out of print, the, the, they being the publisher, because they just, it's not worth handling it if you're not selling enough. But you as a professional or, or using them as, as a career uh, changing item, if you sold 500 or 1000 copies a a year, and they went to uh, people who are really interested in your topic, that would be really good. Uh, So it doesn't have to be a blockbuster uh, kind of a book that, you know, goes, shoots to the top of uh, New York Times bestseller list. But my book in its niche actually sat at number one on one of the bestseller lists on Amazon for a couple of years without, any kind of artificial promotions or anything. And we got reviews from a uh, library journal, for instance, uh, gave it a recommended review, and that sent it into libraries where I believe it also caused people to buy a copy for themselves. Uh, and it's it spreads all over the world. And this is much, much easier to do than it used to be. The electronic world allows you to do things that you wouldn't have been able to do 20 years ago.
0: Well, in addition to a writing coach, what other help did you have to make it look good?
1: Well, that, that was one of the things I was eager to do. I wanted to make sure the book did not look self-published. Uh, I went to a conference and they said, you can identify a self-published book from across the room. So that would have a lot to do with how it looks, what the cover is, all those sorts of things. And you can go learn how to do this, plenty of stuff online, but you're going to make mistakes. So I went to a high-level consultant for this company called About Books, Inc. Uh, They're based in Colorado. And they put books together in a professional way. And by that, I mean that they make sure that the interior design is up to the standards that a mainstream publisher would look for. The cover, it will stand up to any competition, and everything is done right. And they coordinate with the the printing, which I had to do the printing uh, with the uh, color pictures that I have in there. and made the printing more complicated. You can do print on demand now if you only have black and white. But anyhow, I went to the right consultants and, and got it put together right. I wanted it. I didn't want anybody to say, oh, there's an <laughs> independently published book. And that, that means sixpence at the beginning. But if you're going to do it, you do it right.
0: How do you know what right is? Because th- th- you brought that up a couple times in our last conversation. If you're going to do it, do it right. What does that mean to you? Because there's so many well, ways you don't- it could go.
1: Sure, sure. You don't always know that. But what I did is I found uh, some comparable books that were in the home design uh, category. And I pointed those out to uh, the people who were my consultants. And I said, I want these to stand on the bookshelf next to each other. And I'd actually like my book to look better than theirs. Uh, (laughs) And so I, (laughs) I went that way You know, you do a little homework and you look around and you you get an idea of what the level would be. And if you have people as consultants who know what they're doing, they instantly identify it. I'll give you a a good example. If you ask me what font size I should have in the book or what the margins should be and how much extra edge I need for the inner margin for the binding, I don't know that stuff. And it can look good on my computer screen, and then I get it printed out and I go, whoa, this looks like an easy reader book because I made the font too big, or it's so tiny, it, you know, you need double reading glasses to look at it. So people who do this for a living know the answers to those questions, and that's why it's worth hiring them.
0: And once, what did you do as far as, because you mentioned it climbed the list and it stayed there. What did you personally do for marketing? I mean, did you do any marketing yourself as far as social media, your client, potential clients? What does it look like that you did?
1: We did a lot of it, and a lot of it was effective. Some of the things weren't. Uh, We, um, you know, that's one of the things about a mainstream publisher. Unless you have what they call a platform, unless you're known and you have a ready audience, Uh, It's very difficult to market your book. And even the mainstream publisher will help you uh, publish it. But you still have the burden of promoting yourself and promoting the book. That was another part of my decision to independently publish. I thought, well, if I'm going to do all that and I'm going to pay for all that and spend all that time, I may as well do it for my own benefit and actually make more uh, profit per book when you independently publish, than if you're just collecting a royalty. So we um, I did homework. There are books out there that give you a uh, uh, good background on what you should do. Uh, Marilyn Ross's book, which it's self-publishing something. I don't have it right on hand. That was a wonderful book. And uh, she listed in there uh, a number of places that are essential for getting reviews for your book uh, Publishers Weekly, Library Journal, Midwest Book Reviews, and I went and I did that. And you got, reached
0: out to all of them yourself?
1: I just sent them what's called a galley or a pre-publication version of it, and um, I was quite pleasantly surprised to get very good recommendations. So that kind of reassures you. One thing you don't know is whether your book's any good or not. It's <laughs> hard to evaluate yourself. Uh, but that confirmed that it was, and that meant that it was worth putting the effort into marketing it. Uh, so I had those. The library journal recommended review was good because then we sent information out to all the libraries we could, bought a mailing list and send them, sent them a note. and they also get the library journal. and I, you know they're looking for what books they should buy to put into the library. And you can sell a lot of books to libraries. There are a lot of them out there. The um, other things we did, we did ads on Amazon. Uh, they have an ad program. You know, you get notices if you bought this, you might like that kind of thing. Those are easy enough to do. Uh, I did some uh, some interviews and, and things of that nature and tried to uh, promote it that way.
0: So with all the promotion going on and and what you did and you believed in yourself from the beginning, another interesting thing you brought up is that sometimes people underestimate themselves. If they're thinking of writing a book and maybe I'm not expert enough, why should I do this? Could you speak to that a little more? Because I think there's a lot of people get imposter syndrome and they freeze when I think about writing a book.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You kind of hit this stone wall and you think, well, at least it occurred to me. I'm thinking, everybody knows this. Why am I bothering to write this? And I was underappreciating all the knowledge I had gained over all the years that I do what I do. And I think that applies to most everybody. You know more than you think, and what you know is more valuable to other people than you realize. And when you go through the exercise of writing it down, it forces you to clarify your thinking because now you're trying to explain it to other people and it forces you to maybe do a little research and make sure all of your facts and figures are correct and you create something uh, valuable. And I'd say that's the the primary objective you should have in mind is to not, instead of thinking I'm writing something to promote me Uh, That really never crossed my mind, fortunately. Instead, I was writing something to help other people out. And then that promotes you uh, without you even trying. And it doesn't look like a sales piece or a pitch uh, because it isn't. It's clearly meant to help other people. And I also reassured myself as I was going through that long writing process that even if I didn't sell a lot of books, I was helping other people out. And there's a lot of gratification in that.
0: What is that difference? Because that's a fine line. From Because you have to promote yourself on some level, like you did. Your contact information is in the book. It's added to your bank account over the years. And then there's helping people, which some people can think it's just, you know, being nice and helping out. Where's that bridge? I mean, where's that fine line between... Just, just helping people out and making money from it and getting referrals?
1: Well, it, it kind of relates to the way I do interviews when I'm interviewed for a project. I have a policy, strict policy, that I will not say anything negative about any of my potential competitors. It's not worth it. It demeans you uh, in the eyes of the people who are interviewing you. So if there's something I do that I think my competitors don't do I won't say they don't do it I'll say here's what I do and you should expect this from your architect and then I explained to them what I do and I said you know it's a good idea to make sure that that everyone you talk to does this well now they've they write notes and they've got this uh at hand and they ask the competitor and if he or she can answer it properly good for them if they can't Well, I have an edge up and I never said they couldn't do it because I really don't know whether they can or can't. So if you write the book the same way and you say, here's how I deal with this issue or here's a way that I recommend, you're giving them free advice, but you're also, in a sense, touting your capabilities. And so you're talking about yourself without talking about yourself
0: and that's just by sharing ideas
1: Mm -hmm. yes and and uh sharing how you approach things how you think about things and what you would do and you don't have to give away all your trade secrets you know uh, as an example i always start my projects with a site analysis where i examine the property the orientation of the sun views slope of the land, all of that. So in my book, I said every design project should start with a site analysis. Now, I don't know if every architect does that or not, but then I went on to explain what it is and how I do it. And I, uh, now when I get clients as a result of that, they're eager to see their site analysis. So it It also helps them see, it also helps your reader and your potential uh, client uh, understand why what you do is valuable to them.
0: So if I hear you right, instead of saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, let me tell you why I'm so great. It's actually explaining how you do what you do and why you're different than competitors and letting them figure the rest out.
1: Exactly. And it gives them uh, questions to ask the competitor uh, that they may not have thought of asking. And it also shows them uh, that you're going to do things that they need to have done. And that's why they're hiring you in the first place.
0: Well, before we close out, is there anything that we didn't talk about yet that you definitely think the audience needs to hear? Is there a question that may, might not have asked?
1: Um, no, I think that kind of sums it up. I, I was going to add that uh, I got quoted in the Wall Street Journal not too long after the recession hit. My book came out, by the way, in November of '08, right when the darkest hours of our economy oh. hit. And I thought, oh, no, this is terrible. But then it turned out to uh, bring me lots of work. And I effectively never saw the recession because of it. So I got quoted in the Wall Street Journal saying that my book was my life raft through the recession, and it literally was uh, I, not planned. It was it was sort of good good bad timing, if you will. So that worked out really nicely. Uh, and I, I think that sort of sums up with the advantage, the change to your the arc of your career, as we started out talking about. That kind of sums it up. That I I don't worry about not having enough projects to pay the bills or where the next one's going to come from. You know, the email or the phone rings kind of on a nice steady pace. And I get projects now all over the country and some around the world, which made my life more interesting. I was a local architect before, and now I'm an international architect. So who knew?
0: Not a bad result at all. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I think that counts as success.
0: Most definitely. Thank you for your time, Bill. We really appreciate you being here.
1: Well, I'm happy to be here and and uh, I look forward to hearing about people who take this to heart and they write books and have good outcome like I did.
0: Excellent. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.